0: This is leafs game night on tsn 1050 and the leafs radio network the leafs live here
1: brought out at center dropped back by lindholm now gaudreau plays it in lindholm after the puck to gaudreau he's in a load. scores
2: johnny gaudreau ends the game in overtime 36 seconds in, 3-2 Calgary wins over the Leafs in overtime. This is the Ontario Subaru Dealers post-game show. There's something like spring showers to remind you about Subaru's all-weather drive event. On and out, your local Subaru dealer. Shop safely and book your appointment to Adventure On. Jim Taddy, Kristen Chilton, and Jimmy Ralph with you to go over this. Uh, Ralphie, you know, I was going to spin the wheel here. What do you want to talk about, the power play or the goaltending? Your choice.
1: I'll take uh, goaltending for 400
2: Okay, go ahead, sir. I mean, the, 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 the new guy looked pretty good, didn't he? <laughs>
1: yeah, he did. And and you know, I thought uh, there was nothing he could do. All three goals were, uh, you know, two one-timers. Um, you know, the first one into the empty net when there was a missed assignment from the point, and uh, the Johnny Goodrow, uh, uh, video game goal that ends it. So David Reddick, I thought, looked very comfortable. And I thought, uh, you know, other than the one time when he was trying to clear the puck on a leaf power play. <laughs> And, uh, and almost got into some trouble there. But, uh, yeah, I thought, um, you know, if, if he's part of the depth, I think you're pretty comfortable with your goaltending going forward. Hopefully you still get Freddie Anderson back and into some games before the playoffs. And uh, best-case scenario is a difficult decision for Sheldon Keefe to start the postseason.
3: Well, Ralph, when we spoke last night, I asked you, who were you going to start tonight? You didn't hesitate when you said Hutchinson. So were you surprised that Keefe decided to give Riddish the green light?
1: yeah yeah i was and i thought uh you know just under the circumstances that he's flying with his his former team to come in uh and yet in this building uh david remember the back-to-back games that uh, calgary played here and uh he shut the leafs out uh for i think 117 minutes straight and it was nylander poked in that uh late goal and then won it in overtime for toronto and then riddick lost here uh to nothing uh in a jack campbell shutout so He's had some success in this building. Um, You know, maybe it's better to throw a guy in without uh, uh, giving him much time to prepare, get ready. And and we mentioned during the broadcast that when Jack Campbell came over, he was picked up late on a Wednesday night after the Leafs had lost to New York against the Rangers, Uh, flew in from L.A. on Thursday and and played his first game as a Leaf Friday. So it has been done before, and the Leafs have had success with it. But um, Riddick, I thought, maybe overall was the Leafs' best player in the ice.
2: Kinda like a guy who gets his mask redone right after the trade. I mean, that's impressive, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if uh, if you got the magic markers out on the flight. <laughs> start, started, uh, probably wasn't talking uh, to anybody. I <laughs> <laughs> said Matthew Kachuk was probably in the seat behind him, sticking his finger in his ear. <laughs>
3: Oh, Ralphie, when you, you look at this game, though, I mean, overall, not even looking at last night's loss, but just this one, I thought the Leafs just looked disjointed a little bit. Like they just weren't really in sync. When you look at the the body of work tonight, what was your biggest takeaway?
1: Just sloppy. And then I, I think, you know, they get in so much trouble when everything out of their own zone becomes a stretch pass. Uh, you know, the number of icings, and if a guy does get it, he's standing still waiting at the red line or the far blue line. And, uh, you know, Joe and I talked about it during the broadcast, and you do that regularly, and you take away from one of your greatest strengths, which is uh, speed. So uh, when you've got that big gap between the defense and the forwards coming out of your own zone, um, you know, to me, it it really bogs down their offense. And it just seemed to be another game where they had trouble making a pass. They had trouble handling the puck. Although I thought um, other than for four minutes in the third period (laughs) – I thought they were pretty good. I thought they started to move their legs again. I thought uh, they were giving Calgary all all, all kinds of trouble and, um, you know, went on the forecheck. And, and that's one of the things you notice, or I thought anyway, five on five in the third, all of a sudden the feet were moving in the Calgary zone, that every every pass that was made, there was somebody moving. And uh, the Flames were forced to chase a little bit. It was enough uh, you know, with Hyman to be able to uh, to pick off an errant clearing attempt to get it to the virus, out to Kerfoot to tie the game here in the third. But um, you know, I I think if they had played the, the the first two periods like they did the third, they would have been okay. So let's play double jeopardy. The category is the least power play. Go ahead. I'm not buzzing in on that one. <laughs> it's just it's unbelievable. I mean it's just yeah, there's it's, nothing uh, happening. You know, and, and, and there was one play as well where, you know, Tavares came, comes over the line, the left wing side, stops, curls, and, and teams are so aggressive with them. They knock it off a stick and they clear it out. You know, it, um, uh, Austin Matthews in this game only had a shot on goal. I, I thought, uh, Matthews and Marner is, you know, probably as average as we've seen them, uh, this season. Marner did have five shots on goal and, and Markstrom did make a great save off Marner. Uh, and I believe that was five on five. I don't think that was a power play chance if, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, you know, they, they just, you, you know, the team they should be, um, you know, the team, I think if you look at Tampa, they're a team that uh, you give them a double minor in a tie game in the third period, double minor in the power play, uh, the game's over. And, uh, you know, back-to-back games now, you lose by a goal, and, and especially teams, you're minus one.
3: Well, not to, to beat a dead horse on that front, because, of course, what can you say about the power play, but how do you fix it? That's my, That's the question I keep coming back to, is they've tried different personnel, they've tried different structure they've done it feels like everything that you can do but how do you fix it
1: uh i like the fact that zach hyman was out on the first unit Mm -hmm. uh i think you know we've seen that he's he can go to the net he can work well on the boards and uh to me he might be the key to to getting matthews and Marner going um when it comes to the power play um I, i really like the the thought that uh you know hyman was out there and if uh you know, you throw Matthews back on the left point or Marner back on the right point, and then, uh, you know, you load up with uh, uh, with Tavares up the middle. Uh, that's something that, for me, is something that uh, uh, I'd like to see more of because Zach Hyman's been so good five on five, and you know if there's going to be a battle in the corner, if you've got the power play, and nine times out of ten, he's going to come out with it. So um, it might be one of those things where Sheldon keeps saw enough of Hyman in the first unit to say, um, you know we're we're gonna roll with them on that. You know uh,
2: when they're in their own zone in the power play and the the zone entry is at the other end is is tough. Um, it's almost like their man short because whoever has the puck is waiting for somebody else to do something. And, and this was a weird play. Muzzin had the puck and he goes through the neutral zone and he's almost by himself and there's, there's no. I mean, he lost the puck at the blue line because there was nothing for him to do, and they were just waiting for him. It, it's an odd—I don't—I don't know how to describe what's happening there. But but there's there's no unity, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, usually the entry is is Marner, from center to, to, to cheating towards the right side, uh, coming over, and it's a little backhand saucer pass, uh, you know, to whoever's coming with him, and and that's kind of the key when you come over the line is. Uh, you know either either you drop it to somebody that's right behind me because you've backed the defense off uh or you try to saucer it on the backhand to somebody on the fly to to get control of it but uh, it was amazing how many times those those little flip passes missed and bounced and uh the flames were able to clear it
3: well what is standing out to you right now about john Tavares? because i thought that this might have been one of the better games that i can remember from him in a while
1: yeah, he's he's done a pretty good stretch actually. The last five or six games, you know, he had the the two games in Calgary where he had uh, ended up in the two games, two goals and four points. So it um, it looks like the when he plays angry, when he's engaged, but he plays angry and he, he's hacking and slashing in the corners and trying to come out with it. Uh, he seems a lot more engaged and a lot more noticeable, and uh, that's what I find that maybe he's uh, it's taken him a while to hit his stride. He um, you know obviously not playing with Mitch Marner like he did when he when he almost hit the 50 goal mark um you know he's not going to get the same opportunities that maybe Austin Matthews will on a regular basis but uh, you're starting to see in it and I agree with you that it looks like he's uh showing that he can be a dominant player on his own uh, everybody needs help but uh, you look at him to be your leader and one of your top guys offensively and I think we're at least seeing the work ethic that goes into that
2: and the hyman factor too right
1: you've got good chemistry with him yeah that yeah. uh i think the one thing is uh, zach hyman's on your line he can embarrass you if you don't keep up or, you know you don't at least try to match <laughs> the uh the work ethic but uh you know zach hyman is almost at the point where we take for granted what he does on a nightly basis uh and even though a lot of things didn't click for him tonight uh man i, I don't know if you see a guy that uh, tries to beat guys wide or uh, more than he does, or, t- or tries to chip the puck into the corner and go after it and get it himself. I mean, um, he is one thing that I that I think is. I don't want to say it's a surprise because we've seen it so uh, frequently during his time here in Toronto. Uh, but he has has really seemed to have gone to another level with the uh, the work ethic and the forecheck and everything else.
3: Do you, you know We talk about the power play, but do you think there's concern about the penalty kill now as well, given what's been going on with them the last couple of games?
1: Well, especially you give up a goal, and, and, and a lot of teams use that play, where you throw it down low below the goal line and you just bunt it out into the slot. Um, mm. but, but to have a guy, you know, one guy among four of your guys uh, <laughs> wide open and nobody takes away that lane, uh, I think that's sort of the disappointing part. What are they now, three for six in their last three? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and they had a pretty good stretch the previous nine before that where they only gave up one. So um, I, I don't think yet, but uh, I, I think what you worry about is you're going to uh, you get to the point where you start losing one-goal games and the power play goal is a difference every night. Uh, it's at least match it with your own if uh, you're going to give the odd one up, and I think that's a concern. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's how you can win or lose a playoff series, one-goal games, and uh, the specialty teams play the factor.
2: Just before we let you go, I mean, they were on such a nice run, and and not that they've been blown out, they made life easier for the teams that are beating them. Certainly, in the last two nights, the goals went in pretty easy. Do you have a concern level, or is it just part of the schedule?
1: Uh, no, I'm not too concerned. I mean, this was three games and four nights for the Leafs in this one, and uh, not to use it as an excuse, but um, you know, they they were due to come off the uh, the stretch that they were on the uh, what was it, 801 one run. Uh, they had so it um and and again, I mean we could uh if the specialty teams go the other way we 're talking about uh you know an extended winning streak still we 're talking about eight games, yeah. and Matthews has a couple more power play goals, and the penalty killing was perfect, and uh you know they don 't they don 't play great, but uh th- that becomes a turning point in a hockey game and how you win and let 's face it, uh the amazing part of that nine game stretch was that the power play wasn 't going and they were still finding a way to do it. But uh, you've got to start to use some arsenal. And and even when, you know, you saw it was a double minor here in the third period, I don't know how how you felt watching it, but uh, you didn't say, oh, good, uh, game over. Hmm. It was like, uh, like I said to Joe, take a deep breath. You know, let's let's hope uh, uh, you get on a little roll here, but that obviously wasn't the case. And they just seemed to get more frustrated as the power play went on.
2: Ralphie, thanks very much. Appreciate it.
1: All right. Thanks, Jimmer. Thanks, Crescent.
2: 3-2, the Calgary Flames win in overtime. And, and you know, I, the, to go back to the power play, I mean, it is costing them games now, so uh, I would expect that they would do some sort of an overhaul, wouldn't you?
3: Well, I mean, that's kind of why I, I posed the question to to Ralphie, is that my question is what do you do to overhaul it? How do you change something that you have adjusted and tweaked and – I give Sheldon Keefe credit. He's tried different combinations. He's put different guys out there. He has um, mixed and mingled and tinkered and he's tried it all, it seems. And I do agree that Hyman on the top unit is, is a good choice and I think he belongs there. But I just don't know how you overhaul it further. I don't know how you change it even more uh, without just completely stripping it down and, you know, starting again. And, and the problem for the Leafs is that they don't have any practice time is that, I mean, they're going to be off tomorrow, they play Thursday, they maybe will get a practice in before they fly out west, and then you're playing, you're playing, you're playing, you get back to Toronto and you're playing, and then you're, you know, and then before you know it, it's playoffs. So I don't know when you find the time to really overhaul it and really change it completely. You can't really, you just, you have to figure out the the core of what the problem is. And I said to you last night when, uh, you know, when we were doing the broadcast after, it's just, it might have to just be the players that have to sit down with each other and say, what's missing here? Like, why do we look so disjointed? Why do we look like we have no idea how to play with one another? And maybe it's something as simple as just being open and just being honest about like, hey, this is what we're doing wrong. This is how we fix it. Let's go. We're a good team. We're good players maybe it 's that simple i don 't know, but it 's a confidence thing as well at this point you can tell, and i just don't don 't know if there 's a fix for that when you 're this late in the season and you have no time to practice
2: yeah that's that 's an excellent point they, they've, they've got basically nothing to work with that way it 's just i mean there 's so much talent there, and it 's so tentative. That it's easy to PK against because, I mean, that, that play that you guys described where Tavares went over the line, they just stripped the puck off him because, I mean, it's, it's almost like the steamboat count. You know what he's going to do because there's no support there. And so you just deal with him and, and fire it down the ice. And, and I mean, that's their biggest problem is getting back in the zone to, to set up and break down the coverage. I mean, it is costing them games. It's, uh, it's difficult that way, but, uh, I don't know what to say. It's uh, and there are moments there where I mean, it almost looks like they're shorthanded. Yeah, because people are. I mean, they're just just standing around watching each other, right?
3: Yeah, and you look at even at five one five tonight. I think the Flames had more controlled zone entries than the Leafs did, and you wouldn't expect that. And then on the power play, it's kind of the same thing where when they get in there, the other problem, and this is just, I don't know if this is just a style thing, but on the power play, they they love to pass it without looking. Like, they love to not even just take take a peek, see where somebody is, and John Tavares sent two passes to nobody, and then they just end up, you know, getting forced out of the zone again, they've got to regroup, it takes forever, because they can't get in the zone to begin with, so when they are in there, you've got to, you know, just, just look where you're passing the puck, complete the play, and, and they're just, that awareness sometimes is just not there, and it hurts them. And uh I'm sure that it's it's a stylistic thing, but it's just something that I've noticed again and again, where when they do get in the zone and it feels like they're they're getting some momentum, these passes to no one end up turning into shorthanded chances the other way. So I don't know, I, I think that there's uh there's a lot that needs to be discussed when it comes to these special teams, but especially with the power play, uh it's just it's rough to uh to watch at this point, and you just got to think it must be even worse to have to be out there.
2: Well, yeah, and that's probably what's creating the you know the the decisions that they're making is the desperation to to get it going, and you know the, if you look at the graphic for the percentage and how successful it was in January to now, it's gone from a robust stock to a penny stock. I mean, it's it's the bottom of the league now.
3: Oh, it's and it's been the bottom for like fourteen, fifteen games. It feels like that this is just not trended in any kind of a positive direction, and that's the the concerning part is that we're not talking about a team, you know, coming out of the gate this way. It would actually be better if they started this way and then figured it out. Now you've regressed to a point where you're just wondering, like, what do you do? And this is not the time of year where you want to be at the drawing board for something really important like a power play, Uh, and especially the fact that it's gone on this long. Sheldon Keefe barely even talks about it anymore he's just like well like what is there to say so i don't know how they're going to address it but there's got to be a solution somewhere uh it just i think more so than coming from structure or personnel changes it's got to come from the players and there's got to be some sort of mindset shift there that puts them into a better gear
2: well i mean correct me if i'm wrong they had a lot of different looks on on the uh, four-minute four-minute advantage didn't they
3: yeah, I actually thought that there was a couple of opportunities there. I mean, here's the, the one thing we should say, is that John Tavares had a great chance. It hit the inside of the left post behind Markstrom. Like, he had Markstrom beat. The puck just didn't go in. And that's that's how close they were to a goal on that power play. Now, if that goal goes in, if that puck, instead of ricocheting out, ricochets in, we're having maybe a different conversation about the power play right now. But you have to be good to be lucky. You know, and and yep. those are the types of things that just aren't breaking Toronto's way right now. And when that happens, you it felt almost like after that, because it came so late in the power play, that chance by Tavares, and then they don't get anything on the four minutes when they actually did have some chances, it felt like it deflated them. And it just felt like they lost, like things were going pretty well for them in that third period. They had their legs moving, They they were getting five-on-five opportunity, and then the power play again it sucks the life out of them so it's not even just the, the two to four minutes that you're you're working with there you also have to combat the fact that the lack of momentum not just the lack of momentum but the way that it actually is proving to be a deflating part of their game it's just a disaster there's no other way to talk about it is that there's just it's sucking the life out of them and you're just you know from their perspective you're almost probably hoping you don't get any power plays because at least then you don't have to go through it
2: well, if you look back at at the time stamp here, I mean uh they started the third period well. It took them six minutes and seventeen seconds to be rewarded and they were. And then at uh ten eleven there's the double minor. So, you know, almost four minutes later, just a bit under four minutes later, uh the the wind goes out of your sails because now you're on a, a four minute power plane and it, and it's not producing. That that's a game changer, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and that's yeah, that's exactly what I mean, is that it's just you you have if we were talking about this in January or February, you would say a four-minute power play for the Leafs, like Good Night Calgary, yeah. they're going to score twice, no question, and you're going to be in a hole, and this is, you know, this is over. It's not that way, and it was great when the Leafs could find ways to win without a power play that was, uh, you know, high functioning, and now they're in this situation where goals get harder to come by in this type of stretch because you're playing a lot you're playing against teams that are rested when you're not, you're dealing with players being absent. I mean, William Nylander not being in the lineup, that's something. Jason Spezza, he's usually on the power play, he's out tonight as well, that's something too. It's it, Those notes are worth mentioning, but they're not the reason for the problems, right? And that now it's it's getting to a point where when you can't outscore your problems, you've got to address the actual problem, and it's like it's it's a vicious circle that you always come back to. It's easy, you know, to put a Band-Aid on it and say, okay, well, Austin Matthews is going to score every night, Mitch Barner's going to score every night, so it doesn't matter if the, the power play doesn't click, uh, you know, they'll be fine. But now they're not fine, and you can't rely on offense all the time to bail you out. That's why special teams exist. It's an advantage. And right now the Leafs aren't using it. Uh, to their advantage. And so that's why every single game, you're just wondering, how long can this go on? How long can the drought last when for the Leafs, this is already what (laughs) the longest drought in how many years. So it's, it's a bad situation to be in. And the, the problem is that the solution doesn't really seem readily available when you consider everything they've already done to try to address it.
2: All right, 3-2, Calgary wins in overtime. This is Leafs game night, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps and the Leafs radio network.
1: Brought out at center, brought back by Lindholm. Now Gaudreau plays it in. Lindholm after the puck to Gaudreau. He's in a Scores!
2: Johnny Gaudreau ends the game in overtime. That is the TSN Turning Point. It's brought to you by Hockey Helps the Homeless. Visit com to donate, become a game changer, and assist them in their goal to shut out homelessness. Now, I don't know how many people are. There's nobody in the building, right? But it almost sounded like people were upset that that Puck went in 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 overtime. What was that noise?
3: (laughs) Yeah, they've got some uh, really intriguing... Uh, sounds now. They've they've really upped their game. I will say that the Leafs game ops uh, people have uh, definitely. They've got the Go Leafs Go chant now. They've got all kinds of fun uh, bells and whistles. So they're really enhancing the in game experience for us media types. For like the the ten of us that show up for these games. So it's pretty nice. <laughs>
2: uh, you know, I think that we went into this game hoping that the Leafs would be happy with their goaltending depth and i'm sure they come out of it uh, ecstatic about their goaltending depth i mean that that's a uh, you know i don't know that he looks the same as the other two but but that's a that's a really good third goaltender isn't it
3: it's it's great i i don't necessarily think that i would have put him in tonight i i understand the desire to if you're Sheldon Keefe, I don't know that uh, it it would have been my choice originally to to go over Hutchinson. Just just because I guess I think about it, like, do you wonder if Hutchinson isn't sitting there thinking, I've, you know, I've done X, Y, and Z for this team, and then now the guy comes in first day, just, just landed practically, and he's going in. You know, you want to make sure that your goaltenders all feel a certain way, but then, as it is, Riddich went in and I thought that he played really well. He was, uh, you know, made some good saves. Uh, the ones that did go in, I don't know, you could hang any of those on him particularly. And if he's your depth, if he's the guy that you're going to turn to after Frederick Anderson and after Jack Campbell, uh, that's pretty good. That's that's a, a nice, uh, you know, choice in in that. And I also just think with Riddich, he seems like a, a, another kind of a Jack Campbell type where, you know just happy to be here happy to and and my and Michael Hutchinson as well just these guys who are just good teammates you know they're they're good character guys uh they're they're not going to make a fuss they're not going to be uh you know they're they're going to do what's asked of them when they're needed and that's really what the the leafs would have been looking for in going out and acquiring him
2: uh, so, in terms of, I mean, the next, the, the next sort of curiosity is, uh, the new guys. Uh, so in terms of when these guys arrive and, and when they're available, it's, uh, it sounds like Felino's in tomorrow and would be available in a week's time. And I don't know exactly what Hutton's travel plans are. And, and there's a couple of other guys that, that won't be on the roster or, or might be in the taxi squad. And then, um, who am I missing? O'Reilly Nash is already here, but but he's injured, so we're, we won't see him for for weeks. But but in terms of Hutton and, and Felino, what's your what, what do you know about when they would be active?
3: Yeah, so it sounds like if Felino was departing uh, from Columbus today, if he gets into Canada, uh, let's let's say he got in tonight, that means that next Thursday, I believe the Leafs are back from Montreal. By next Thursday or no, they're in Winnipeg next Thursday. So that yeah. does, com- it does complicate things because if felino has got to be here for a week, then they, it would be longer than that before the Leafs get back after their trip to Winnipeg, they come home before going to Montreal. So all things being equal, if he is able to successfully quarantine, three negative tests. If he can get in a practice or at least get skating while the Leafs are gone, if he can get in the facility, skate a bit, uh, I could see him being ready to go for that game in Montreal. So that would be the end of their upcoming uh, six-game road trip at the end of the month. I mean, that's that's probably your best bet in terms of seeing him. Uh, and then when it comes to Hutton, because of where he's he's coming from out in California, so uh, he will be in the same boat where he'll, he'll be on a plane, I would think. That considering what happened, considering the trade deadline was yesterday, so he would probably be around the same timeline. Uh, but again, Hutton to me is a is one where I don't know that we'll see him immediately. I I don't know that he's someone that they're going to uh, really try to work in. Just because by the time he quarantines, if it's the same situation as Felino and we're talking about six games from now, and there's only 14 games left, it's a very small window in which to get your lineup ready for playoffs and at the same time you'd like to know what you have in Ben Hutton before playoffs so I don't know what the sweet spot is there for him in terms of of getting in if it's a matter of maybe working him more into practices if there's a back-to-back maybe towards the end of the year I think there's one against Montreal Um, I forget now because the schedule uh, has been adjusted but I think there is one more back-to-back maybe you work him in there but he's more depth he's a depth signing obviously but at the same time you could probably you know you still want to be a, don't want to be putting him in for the first time in you know game six of a playoff series right if somebody gets hurt so there's a lot to consider there uh i would just think that felino's the big one that you're waiting on and i uh based on the timeline and the quarantine and the Leafs schedule. I would be eyeing that Montreal game to uh, be making his debut, which is a pretty good spot to do it. If you're you're yeah. coming to the Leafs, it may as well be in Montreal. Well,
2: the the schedule is bizarre, to say the least, but because the Ottawa game got pushed to the very end, they're going to go through uh, Vancouver and Winnipeg, and then they're going to come back and, and then go to Montreal, come back home two games against Vancouver, then go back to Montreal, then home for two against Montreal, finish in Ottawa, so you know, really, what they're doing is they're playing Montreal three games in a row to end the season, and then Ottawa's the, the the finale. But you know, it's it's funny because for all these years, everybody wanted a Toronto Montreal playoff series. That's likely to happen in the first round, and you'll almost be sick of the Habs by then.
3: <laughs> oh man, the way that the schedule is is working out here. I mean, the fact that they were done with Edmonton so soon—they played so many games against Edmonton. And so now they're done and then now tonight they're done with calgary and then you're going to see winnipeg thursday and then three straight against winnipeg next week and then you're done with winnipeg and then it's just all montreal until the end and then potentially another uh you know four to seven game playoff series so we're gonna we're gonna be sitting here and being like what new do you what new can you say about montreal and toronto but it's a good problem to have if if they honestly given the covid situation that happened in vancouver And, you know, even with Montreal, if if you can just get this regular season done, if you can just knock wood, get get everybody out of here healthy, uh, you're happy. But I do think it'll be quite amusing when we're talking about Montreal, 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 and then that's their first-round opponent, and it's all Montreal for another two weeks after that. But uh, in terms of a matchup, that is very intriguing to me based on not just last night's game, but the whole season series between Toronto and Montreal. It, it really could be uh, one of those kind of for the ages because when, when was the last time they saw each other in the postseason and when was the last time oh. that both teams were firing and pretty good? I mean, it's been a while.
2: Yeah, it's been a long time. You weren't around, I know that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> not that recently. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm not talking professionally. I mean, it's it goes back. Yeah. Craziness. All right, 3-2 Calgary wins in overtime. This is Leafs Game Night, TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network. 3-2 Calgary wins in overtime. Goodrow gets the goal at 36 seconds of the overtime period. And uh, the Leafs go into the loss column, albeit uh, an overtime loss. So I think that lowers their record down to nine, one, and two. <laughs> Nothing to be worried about, but but there are. I mean, we pick away at this. I was looking at the event summary, and I mean, it's an eerily similar performance from both teams. Um, austin matthews had one shot and another four that didn't get through uh, mitch marner had five and another three that didn't didn't get through i mean i I thought they were tracking in the right direction in that third period and just unfortunately the overtime didn't go their way and of course we've talked uh, quite a bit about the power play that they got in their way but but i thought they had, they had corrected a lot of the things that they would have been upset about certainly in the first 40 minutes
3: Yeah, I thought the third period was definitely uh, Toronto's best, which is ironic, considering that they're playing the second half of back-to-back, and it's usually they start to fade in the third. But, uh, you know, I thought that the first two periods, they did way too much defending, first of all, and I thought they really let Calgary kind of dictate how the game was going to go, that they played Calgary's game instead of playing their game, and that was kind of a point that Ralphie made about um, you know, but the D and the uh, the forwards being so separated and, and they're trying these stretch passes to get out of the zone and their breakouts were sloppy. And it was just that's not Maple Leaf hockey. Like you you don't get away from using your speed just because another team wants to play you defensively tough and they want to be checking and they want to be physical. You'd, I don't think the Leafs got pushed around, but I don't think that they're obviously comfortable playing that game. And instead of dictating the pace, which is what they did in the third, the first two periods, it felt like they just were were trying to match what Calgary wanted to do. And in the end, that's going to hurt you because your identity is speed and pace and uh, really forcing the other team to keep up with you. Whereas, you know, Calgary is more about smothering defense and and just trying to, uh, you know, keeping guys on the outside and using their physicality. So that was kind of the the issue, or at least part of it, in the the first two periods. And then in the third, once the Leafs got rolling, it felt like if it weren't for that power play, who knows what might have happened. It might have been a different result.
2: Well, Markstrom was pretty darn good too. I mean, he made yes. that one pad save that was miraculous. Uh, and, and what you described there, I, I totally agree with. They're not dictating or they're not dealing the cards, as I like to say. Um, and and I think you would apply that in in a, in a different sort of way to what happened last night in Montreal. They did fight back to tie it at two, and then that that uh, Anderson goal, uh, what a buck and a half later, that, that gave Montreal the three two lead, seemed to take all the starch out of them. So you've got a, a sample size of six periods of hockey here, and and really what you have is I'm going to say maybe one and a half periods where they are themselves. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Is you know, when the Leafs are at their best, they're just they're playing loose, they're playing fast, they're playing fun. And those are those are kind of the the three terms that I would use and it didn't look like they were any of those things for way too much of the first two periods. And I always think Jake Muzzin puts it best when he says, "We just, you know, we can defend, but we just spend way too much time doing it." And that's another thing that they—they they just were—it's too much time in your own zone. You're when you're not breaking the puck out well, which is I think a hallmark of a bad game for the Leafs. Not that this was a bad game, but you know, just a, a not a, uh, not as crisp a game as it usually does start with their breakouts and their zone entries. And in both cases, uh, I thought that Calgary did a good job of playing high and and forcing the Leafs back into the neutral zone. If you go back and watch some of the those. Uh, those shifts i mean toronto was going backwards when they were going forwards it just mm-hmm. you you kept seeing them like at one point like mikhail i remember him circling back Riley circling back uh you know at one point i think it was even engel took it all the way back around and because they just couldn't get past the red line it was just they were trying to play calgary's game and it just didn't work for them and in the third when they just decided to flip the switch and say hey we're we're just going to push this with our speed Uh, We're going to carry the puck. We're going to stop with these these crazy two-line passes that go nowhere. You can just see the real Leafs. It's like, well, the real Leafs, please stand up. That's them. And when they look like themselves, they look as good as any team in the league. And uh, that's where they really need to be, um, you know, putting their chips in the center, as it were.
2: Yeah, I mean, what we're talking about here is they're not looking like themselves. They lose... 4-2 4-2 to Montreal uh and and uh and they lose 3-2 uh, to Calgary in overtime. It's not like they're getting blown out. Uh and that's with no power play and not looking like themselves. So there's there's plenty to be optimistic about, that's for sure.
3: Oh yeah, I mean there's there's no I don't think there's any high level of concern certainly. It's it's just it's a weird stretch when you have, you know, the travel that they have dealt with. I don't think that Ottawa game was particularly good either. The fact that they won it is is about the only good part of it. So it's kind of a three-game stretch, the three games and four nights where you're kind of talking about, hey, you know, this is not, uh, it's on a banner week for the Leafs, and in a normal 82-game season, it uh, it might be even less concerning, but considering where they're at and the abysmal power play and the fact that it's only 56 games and they're getting closer to playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, it feels a little bit more, you know, you're a little bit more uncomfortable with it. But at the same time, you know, if they take a day off tomorrow, they come out and put up a big win over Winnipeg. You're not really going to remember a whole lot about what happened over these last two games because, you know, these, especially tonight against Calgary, this is probably not a team they're going to see in the playoffs. was not a team they're going to see in the playoffs. You'd rather see them play really well against Winnipeg in order to really make a judgment about where they're at right now.
2: Yeah, Uh, well, okay, we'll let you go. I'm I'm looking forward to chatting with you again on Thursday night when the Leafs are are hosting Winnipeg. Thanks, Kristen. (laughs) Can't wait, Jim. All right, 3-2 was the score for the Calgary Flames in overtime over the Leafs. We'll continue on. This is Leafs Game Night, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. The TSN and I are radio apps in the Leafs radio network. Goodrow scores in overtime, 36 seconds in to give Calgary a 3-2 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now let's get to the sound, and here is Coach Keefe after
0: the loss. Sheldon, uh, just get your thoughts on, on Riddick's game tonight. He was saying it was uh, a tough emotional night for him to go right in against his uh, former team, but he wanted to do it. Just your thoughts on his play and, and doing it against uh, his ex teammates
4: Yeah, I thought he looked really good uh, in the net. I'm sure it's a difficult night for him. You know, the emotions are part of it, but then the actual gameplay is another thing, you know, just uh you know, the, even just the colors of the jerseys and, and the different people on the ice uh, that used to be on the other side. That can be difficult, but I, I thought he looked good in the net, looked confident made some good saves for us. I don't think he had a chance on any of the goals. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good debut for him. Thanks. Next up, we'll go to Mark Masters, TSN. Go ahead, Mark. Sheldon, what did Scott Saber
0: do to earn the opportunity tonight, and what did you think of his contribution?
4: Well, first off, he's just worked extremely hard every day that he's been around our group, whether it's training camp or with the taxi squad and or what have you. He's he's done nothing but work extremely hard and be be a good teammate around here. Uh, so that's part of it. Uh, we've been we've been looking to, to you know look to give him an opportunity to play. He's you know, one of these guys uh, that hasn't gotten an opportunity here yet. We've given a number of opportunities to others, and he played a full season in the NHL last uh, last uh, season and hadn't got a chance here yet. So we were looking, and we thought t- tonight, given our opponent and who they were, and the fact it's a back-to-back for us, it was as good a time as any. Uh, and I thought he, I thought he did his job. Uh, you know, obviously we didn't use him in the third period, um, but the shifts he got, he moved his feet, he was physical. Uh, you know, he he found a fight and held held his own against uh, as tough a customer as there is in the league. Um, so definitely, uh, we're happy with with what he with, with what he did. Uh, what is uh, Spez's status? is fine. Yeah, uh, we you know we just we made the lineup change here today as a chance to give Spets a rest, combination of the schedule and the fact that he's been he has been uh, battling through a couple things. He's he is fine, but uh, just schedule and some of the wear and tear was was enough reason to to give him a night and as i said we're trying to get sabrin a, a chance so they play the same position it just all the things added up uh, that today was a good day to give him a night off but he'll be back in next up we'll go to chris johnson Sportsnet. go ahead chris Sheldon, so did you get more guys here you know with your acquisitions and that we look to to give other guys rest down the stretch is that part of kind of your thinking or yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll take it a day and a game at a time. But but that is my thinking. Yes, uh, our, both our roster and salary cap situation are different here now, so we think that's going to present us some opportunities that we haven't had uh, up until this point. Uh, so yeah, we will we will look uh, to do that throughout. But you know, like I said, we'll take it a day and a game at a time. And on tonight's game, how did you think you guys? Obviously, Calgary plays pretty low event hockey these
0: days. How did you guys handle that that challenge?
4: Well, I, I you know I think. We'd like to do some things better for sure. I thought we were still a little sloppy with the puck and, and didn't adjust to the game well enough. You know, they, were, they had, had clear purpose to make life real hard on us, to get to the neutral zone. They were very structured and very patient. Uh, they, of course, played with the lead uh, a great deal in the game, which played into their game, of course. Uh, but you know, by and large, I, I thought we did a pretty good job of staying with it uh, here. Our schedule's been tough. We knew – You know, know, they they had one game in eight days coming into tonight and knew that they were going to be fresh and all those kind of things to make it harder on us. So I thought there's some things we could definitely do better. We could do some things better tactically, and that's on me, and then our execution and simplifying things at different times, we we could have done better. But I really liked our third period. Once again, you know, uh, we have to find a way to to even the game. Uh, I thought we had opportunities to win the game there, both even strength and on the power play. So that was uh, really good for us. So, save for the final five minutes of the third period, I thought we were really good. Which, all things considered, um, you know, we're happy with that. We'll take two more here. We're we'll going to Jonas Siegel the Athletic. Go
0: ahead, Jonas. Okay, so, I was just wondering where you've seen John come on offensively here the last little while.
4: Uh, I think you know he's he's gotten some pucks in good areas, um, and. And he's he's putting it on the net. Um, I think when he does that, when he gets into the slot and he just lets let lets it go, doesn't overthink it, and just kind of gets it there. Um, when he gets to those spaces, things ha- seem to go his way. Um, but, you know, I, I've been answering a lot of questions on John all season, but I, I felt pretty good about John's play through most of this season on both sides of the puck, and it's nice to see him uh, you know, get get a little more of a reward in terms of five-on-five five, you know, goals or assists. And last one here, we'll go to Terry Koschei, Toronto Sun. Go ahead, Terry.
0: Yeah, so just the day off tomorrow. Uh, is any update then with
4: uh, D-Lander and what his status will be uh, going forward? Uh, I'm still waiting. still in. Uh, we're still waiting to hear from the, the league on how that's going to proceed. Um, so I don't really have an update, no, other than it just remains uh, day-to-day here for him.
2: Sheldon Keith, after the 3-2 loss to Calgary in overtime, a couple of points there. Adjust to the game, and that was certainly the problem in Montreal last night as well. And the reason you have to adjust to the game is you're not scoring first. And I know that that's a silly stat that you feel that they should be able to rally, but that stat was really um, accurate. I mean, if you go back to when they were 1-6 and six after those three straight wins in Edmonton, and remember those three straight wins in Edmonton, they dictated everything in those three games, they scored first. I mean, come on, Edmonton only scored one goal in the three games. So so they were able to do whatever they wanted to do, and, and they did it well. I don't want to take anything away from them. But in these two games, you know, they're not scoring first, and it takes them a while to adjust. Uh, as I said uh, to Kristen earlier, I think they, they only adjusted in the second period Last night, and it, that didn't last long because a goal canceled it out, and they didn't seem to be able to recover from that. Uh, tonight, it was a really good third period, but you get ba- you get back to that stat of, of controlling your fate by scoring first. It just seems to hold so much water. It's unbelievable that, you know, the way the game's played, you wouldn't think that that would be that accurate. But but certainly it is. It's something to, to track. That that doesn't mean that everybody quits after the other team scores first, but but it does sort of create a template for that team to succeed. You'll see it in the playoffs, I guarantee you. So, you know, it shouldn't happen as often as it does in the regular season, but you will see it in the playoffs. Uh, the other story tonight is David Riddick uh, debuting in goal for the Leafs. He stopped uh, 25 of 28, all 14 in the third. The three that went by him, Valamacki early in the first period was wide open. Uh, Lindholm on a power play, seven seconds into the power play. It looked like a drill. There were no lanes uh, closed and, and uh, a shot that nobody would have stopped. And then Goudreau turned, tried to turn him into Gumby in overtime. And of course, he couldn't stretch that far. So that, that's a team failure there. So you wouldn't fault him on any of the three goals. Here's what he said post game.
0: Hi, David. Uh, welcome to Toronto. Uh, I'm just wondering what emotions you felt today uh starting it with a new team. Obviously it was a tough one, right? Uh, I played against my old team where I was for four years and uh I got like uh some some life friends there. So it was a tough one and uh the even worse thing on it we lost in overtime. Next up we'll go to Mark Masters, T S N. Go ahead Mark. David, what was the strangest or weirdest moment out there for you tonight facing your old team? Uh probably in the first period when I got scared of uh player in blue jersey. That was probably the weirdest thing what 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 could happen to me. So uh I just streamed that puck and uh then I figure out I'm I'm blue too. What stands out to you the most about your new team? You've played the Leafs a lot obviously this year. What stands out being part of them now? Oh, it's great. Uh Uh, Beautiful city. Uh, Great guys. A lot of... I what I have a chance to meet them. Uh, It's a bunch of beauties here, so it's great. We'll take a couple more here. We'll go to Jonas Siegel, The Athletic. Go ahead, Jonas. Hey, David. I was just wondering what that plane ride was like uh, with your former teammates to Toronto. It was okay. A lot of chirps there. Uh, Some guys didn't didn't hold back, so I I expect that, but... uh, at least I had, I, uh, I had a chance to, uh, to say uh, goodbye to all of them. Next up, we'll go to Terry Koshan, Toronto Sun. Go ahead, Terry. Hi, David. Uh, welcome to Toronto. Sheldon Key was saying that he talked to, um, telling us that he talked to yesterday, and you wanted to get right in there and play tonight. Uh, how key was it for you to get to get in no matter who you were playing uh, in your first game of the news? obviously it's it's great if you, if, you, if you are able to go to the game right away to kind of get feelings back. I don't really know for how long I didn't play I I, I feel like it was like two weeks so uh the first half of, of the game i I kind of felt weird and uh then i then I, then I feel i uh, I got my bag, uh, my, my game back so uh yeah, it was huge and uh I'm thankful I can be here and uh, I got this opportunity to be in this great team. Probably no surprise. You got a little bit of snow job there from uh, Matt Kachuk. If you know him, uh, he does that a lot, so it didn't surprise me. He's he's a great player, and uh, he's hard from that.
2: David Riddick looked pretty good in the Leafs goal. They lose 3-2 to Calgary in overtime. Our next Leafs game will be... Thursday night at home to Winnipeg. Our next action will be tomorrow night, the Raptors against San Antonio. The Raptors losing to Atlanta tonight, 108-103. Thanks for joining us on Leafs Game Night, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and I Radio apps. And good night to the Leafs Radio Network.